What's up, winners? We're back here at the We Win Presents Winner's Circle podcast. Um, And this week, we are tackling um, mental health awareness since May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, The hashtag for this month is uh, to, let me make sure I got this right, to break the stigma. And so I know that I was in the midst of doing um, the Our New Normal Psych um, series, um, speaking about all things um, related to COVID-19, but I wanted to kind of take a break and a pause from that for a moment because mental health awareness is very important to me. I believe that it's very important to our community. I feel like it's something that we don't always talk about. I feel like it's something that we need to talk about. And I feel like having these conversations will bring healing, will bring restoration, and will bring insight. Um, And so, of course, I'm not here by myself. I have an amazing guest that's with me today. Um, She is related to me, of course. She's my little cousin. She's also my mentee. Um, But apart from that, she is so many other things. She's an author. She's an educator. Um, she, I would call her a motivational speaker. Um, I would call her a pillar of her community. She is so many things, but I'm going to introduce her and let her tell you more about who she is and where she's from and all of that good stuff. So winners, I would like for you to give a warm welcome to Shanquia Oliver with us today. Hey, Shanquia. Hi, Jen. <laughs> How are you, sweetheart? I'm good. I'm very excited to be a part of your podcast. I feel like I have a lot to say, and I hope that in everything that I do, if it only reaches one person, then I feel like I've done a job well done. Hey, that's it. That's what it. That's what it's all about. I'm so excited to have you here at the Winter Circle. Um, our uh, mantra here at the Winter Circle is that the conversations are different. Um, so I want us to be, you know, completely transparent, take off our mask, have some good conversations, because like I said, this is a podcast that is for us and by us. And so every time we, you know, talk about any discussion here on the Winner Circle podcast, it is my hope um, and my prayer that it reaches the ears of those who need it, um, of those who are seeking something. Um, and, and just to be helpful, quite honestly, because we're all going through things. And I just truly believe that, you know, when we have um, platforms like this, we can really discuss and talk about our issues. And there's going to be someone that's listening that's going through something like what we're experiencing mm-hmm. or someone that they know that's going through something like what we're experiencing. And, you know, the glory is in our story. You know, when we start sharing our testimonies, not only does it help us, but it helps other people too. Right. So the goal here is always to help other people accomplish their breakthroughs. And I know that in this interview that I have with you today, that we are definitely going to help some women because you have an amazing story, an amazing spirit, and you're just an amazing woman overall. So I'm just excited to have you here in the Winter Circle with us today. Thank you, me too. And like I've told you before, you have been someone that I've looked up to since I was a little girl. And so a lot of um, my resilience, I even credit you for that because I felt like you were someone that I saw step outside of the box and you wanted better for you and your children. And so I've always admired you from that in, in the way that I look up to my mom and all the things she's overcome and she's still standing in. So I want to you know, take my hat out to you too, because like you have done a lot for me and you have no idea. So thank, 
Wow. <laughs> well, thank you for that. And yes, I know your mom and your mom is definitely a strong woman. I know she's had to overcome a lot of things and she's definitely resilient and she definitely has, you know, raised some beautiful daughters. Um, so hats off to your mom, you. Tammy, for doing an awesome and amazing job hey, with mom. you young ladies. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So I know who you are, of course, because I've known you since you were just a little... Little girl running around, probably six, seven, eight years old, I think is around the time I probably first met yeah. you. Um, and you were a sweetheart from then and have continued to be. Um, but I want you to share with the listeners who you are and where you're from. And, you know, just tell us a little bit about you. Okay. So I'm Shinquia Oliver. I'm from a small town in South Carolina called Anderson. It's not that far from Clemson University. A lot of people know about Anderson if I say Clemson so we're kind of right up the street from Clemson University I'm the oldest girl my mom has uh, four daughters total my dad has four daughters as well and I have a brother so I'm the oldest on both sides um, of my family I went to school for early childhood development just the minds of children just started to intrigue me once my mom decided to have my little sister when I was a senior in high school so I was just like, oh my goodness, she's going to need some help. Like, it's totally different now than how it was when she had us in the 90s. So, you know, <laughs> I got um, really motivated to learn about children through my little sister's birth. I have student taught in upstate South Carolina. And two years ago, I decided to make a, a move, which was big for me, to Charlotte, where I've grown so much just being here and I had to get out of my comfort zone and go somewhere by myself. And even though it was scary at first, I grew in Charlotte. There's a great community that I'm a part of. I met some wonderful, wonderful people that I've kind of, you know, took to who've helped me in so many ways. And so I just decided that everything that I wanted to do, I have nothing holding me back. So I'm just going to write all my goals down and get them accomplished one by one. So that's where the start of my book, which I just published in March and it's available on Amazon came about, which is called Levels. Yay! Yay! Yes! <laughs> you know, I get excited anytime, you know, anyone I know publishes a book because I know the commitment, I know the resilience that it takes to get that done right. so hats off to you thank you congratulations and welcome to the writers club the author club like it is thank you man it's an amazing accomplishment thank you. so you said a whole mouthful there, i did so jump back just a little bit so right. man you absolutely made a bold move you went from a small town in anderson because anderson is you know we Anderson's like a little blip on the it map. Is. I mean, it's, it it's pretty big in South Carolina. It, it's a pretty large, you know, size right. of community within South Carolina. But in the grand scheme of things, Anderson is small. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's it's you know it's familiar. It's family. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone knows everyone. Everyone knows your name. Everyone is related to right. you in some shape, form, or exactly. fashion. Right. And so you stepped out of your comfort zone. Yep. And decided that. I don't want to be because of course you could have been the big fish in the small right. pond, right? You had finished your you got your degree, yep. you were teaching, you knew everyone. I'm sure you had connections yeah. out the wazoo. And you decided that I want something bigger, I want something more. Yep. And you decided to pack it up, 
all by your little self. Yes, I did. And went to Charlotte. Right. And Charlotte is on the rise. Charlotte is up and coming. Charlotte is like the new Atlanta, yeah, a lot of people would yeah. say. Um, and so how was that transition for you? Like how um how were you able to to transition from um because I when I think of you, I think of just my little southern right. baby <laughs> and so southern you got your little twang and your accent and all of that. And so you pretty much left I mean, you know, Charlotte is still the same, yeah. but really it's a major city almost. So you went from little small town to the big city. Right. So how was that transition for you? How did you, you know, how were you able to do it well, to do that? Actually, I moved in silence. And that was the hardest thing for me to do because sometimes, you know, we know our family loves us. And, you know, being from a small town, you know, you're close to your family. They want you close. So I told them that I was thinking about moving, but how I've had to kind of show my family, you know, that I can do things and that, you know, I have it on my own is just by doing it. So that was one of the things that I just, I told them about. And then I just left and it wasn't, it wasn't easy, but I was becoming really comfortable back home and I found myself in a stagnant place. And I was just like, I'm not growing here. And I know God wants so much more for me. And, you know, sometimes we think it's God, but then sometimes it's us and we're just saying, oh, he's telling us that, but it's not. But I really felt him tell me, when I tell you move, you move. And um, he was just like, just trust me during this process and everything that I promised to you, you're gonna have. And so. I saved up all the money that I had and I started putting like my resume out on Indeed for teaching positions. Actually, I was looking for any teaching position anywhere. I was looking in Atlanta, I was looking in North Carolina, even so far as like putting a resume at a, a child care center in Seattle just to see if I would get a call. You were just ready to I go. I was huh? ready to go in Tabitha. <laughs> at first, I wasn't getting anything and I was getting so discouraged, but I kept hearing God tell me when I tell you move that's when you move so I just stayed consistent and kept my plan and then it was just like the snap of my finger one day I started getting all these emails from different schools in different states and areas and so I took a chance with Charlotte and so one day I just got in my car and I drove to the school and um she hired me the same day the principal she hired me the the same day she interviewed me wow I had a week I had a week to get my stuff together and start my trainings because it was a new school being open. Like they were still building the school and we had a three week training before they opened the school. So I had to have, I had to do training for three weeks and then school would open. So I moved, I stayed in Airbnb for like two weeks because I hadn't found like I was gonna say, did you even have a place no, to No, I didn't. Like- <laughs> and even for one week, Tab, like one week I was uh, commuting. I was going from Charlotte back to Anderson, just, you know, because I hadn't really found a place. And then I stayed in the Airbnb for the last two weeks. And one day, one of my best friends from home, she has a friend in Charlotte and she hit me up one day. And she was like, hey, I heard you were here and you know, I'm open to, you know, the idea of a roommate. I haven't had one since college, but you know, it'll it should be cool. And I was just like, God, you are so faithful because I was 
I was starting to say to myself, um, I can't keep commuting back and forth. That's four hours a day. <laughs> Gas is high. I was gonna say that's four hours. Yeah, I mean, here in Atlanta, four hours is nothing. We we sit in traffic for right. four hours, but that is a hefty commute right. back and forth every day. That's gas, that's mileage on your vehicle. Wow, like right. that, that's a lot. And um, so me and her, we became roommates and it happened just like that. And I know the first couple of weeks I was getting a little homesick. So I was traveling back and forth every weekend. And then I just was like, you didn't move to come back home every weekend. Like you need to go out and explore. And that's what I did. And let me tell you, moving to Charlotte was one of the best things I've ever done like as far as career like I just excelled here and it it got scared because I was like wait a minute I've been doing this in South Carolina for like four years and I've never gotten these (laughs) accolades and this you know all this recognition I was like what you're telling me all I had to do was move here and then I would really like reap the benefits and it's been so rewarding um so I love I love it and I'm just I'm still enjoying the ride. I'm still learning new stuff every day here. Well, that's an awesome, awesome testimony. And so how old were you when you left? Um, So I'm 29 now. So I've been here for two years. I moved here when I was 27. Mm-hmm. 27? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Man, you said so many things there. So let's touch on some of the okay. first comfort right. zones. Man, we, we realized that things do not happen in comfort zones right so when you are comfortable like it's it's kind of like I I always say I use this example when you're sitting on the couch and you're you know you you might be up in the fetal position and you got your blanket on and you're nice and comfortable and you got the remote control and you got your beverage and you know you might have a snack or something there you're not leaving the couch you're going to sit there and watch tv and you're going to enjoy yourself on that sofa and it's going to be the best time of your life but guess what nothing is going to get done there you're not going to be productive there you're not going to move forward there because that's a place of comfort things happen outside of our comfort zone when we are outside of our comfort zone that's when God stretches us that's when God is able to do things with us because we're learning something new, which is requiring us to work, to use our brains, to, you know, trust him. And so that was a great point that you made that you had to step out of your comfort zone. The next thing that you mentioned that I felt that I found very interesting was that you said that um, if it's a comfort zone, and then you said that, you know, God told you when I tell you to move, Mm -hmm. you move. And I think it's so important for us to always have our spirit. This is my prayer daily. Allow my spiritual ears to be open to hear what it is that you want for me to do. Because sometimes we have an idea about what we want, right? But we don't necessarily ask God what it is that he wants for us. And so when we follow whatever it is that he wants us to do, He's going to give us the vision and he's going to give us the provision for it. He's going to make it happen for us, just like he made it happen right. for you. You were sitting back like, man, you know, I'm, I'm sending out these resumes. No one's mm-hmm. responding back to me. No one's calling me back. And it was like at the appointed time, it reminds me of that scripture of Habakkuk. I think it's two and two where he talks about the vision and writing the vision down. And at an appointed time, 
you know, it will come right. to pass and it will not tarry, but we just have to wait for right. it, right? So it's good that you were patient and that you didn't jump the gun, right. but you was like, once God told you that, okay, I have to get out of where mm-hmm. I am because nothing, I'm not going to grow here. I'm not going to evolve here. I'm not going to learn anything here. I have to right. move, but I have to wait until God tells me to move. And when God tells you to move and when God is in it, then those doors just start to open and he just starts to right. make way, right? Mm-hmm. And so even when it looks tough, be, I mean, your whole story is like a, just, it, there's so many dad going, I'm not preaching anymore, but there's so many sermons and so many lessons just in that story mm-hmm. alone because even when you had to make the move, it right. wasn't easy. He didn't, you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't seamless at first. You had to commute mm-hmm. back and forth. and But you stepped out right. of faith. You trusted God. And when we are able to step out of our comfort zone, just like Peter did when he got out the boat and stepped and walked on the water, like if we just keep our eyes focused on God and what he told us to do, we will right. not fail. We absolutely will not fail. And you are a true testament to that. Like, yeah, you had to commute back and forth. And I'm sure it got Mm -hmm. tiring and it got, you know, it it probably wore you out. But I believe that it was strengthening you. I believe that when you were doing that, you know, it was almost like God was like, okay, let me see how serious you are about this. I'm making, I'm I'm making, I'm making plans for you. I'm getting it all prepared and ready for you, but you're going to have to put some work in to make this happen. So I I think that that's amazing. And, you know, it takes courage to do that because again, you know, family being close to home, you know, all of those things, they feel good to us. And a lot of times we can get stagnant and we can become complacent because of that feel good. Mm -hmm. You know, we get addicted to what that feel good is to us. And so we don't want to move. We don't want to get away from that. But it's when we are, when we get tired of, okay, you know what, this, this feels good and it's nice, but I want more. I want to get to the next level. And in order for us to get to the next level, we have to be willing to get uncomfortable. Wow. (laughs) Wow. 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 So you've been in Charlotte for two years. You've seen yourself grow. You've seen the accolades. You've seen, you know, that once you got there, you know, all the work that you've been doing up to mm-hmm. this point has now started. You're starting to reap right. the benefits, right? You're starting to see the rewards of your effort. You're starting to see the seeds that you were planting all along are now starting to harvest. Those seeds are starting to, you know, you're starting to be able to reap the benefits of the work okay. that you put in. That's awesome. Like, I mean, I mean, that's truly awesome. And for those who are listening, you know, some of us are might be on the brink of a decision of you know do I take this job in another state or you know do I go ahead and start this business or you know whatever it is you know you may be contemplating that next move if you feel like you really really are hearing from God and God is telling you to move on this then it's time for you to make that move because you're not going to grow or go anywhere until you are willing to really step outside of that comfort zone. So for those who are, are listening today here in the winter circle, you have to re, you know, review your, your circle. You have to review where you are right now in your life and your circumstances and, and everything that's going on. And I'm not saying quit your job and, and, and right now, don't know, do that. <laughs> the next town. Must be responsible yeah. in what it is that we're doing. But if you are at that crossroads in your life and you're considering making a change and you really feel like God is speaking to you and leading you, 
then you have to be willing to take that next step. We're going to take a break and then we're going to come right back. um, And we're going to talk about your book. And you're going to recite this amazing poem that I've heard. And uh, we're going to start talking about some mental health and a whole bunch of stuff. So keep it locked here at the Winter Circle. We'll be back in just a moment. so we're back here at the winner's circle podcast where the conversations are different i am your host tab manning and of course i have my special special guest with me today shanquia oliver um let me just call you queen what they call I you, have so many nicknames you, you, you are among you are amongst family so if you were amongst family what would your family queer. call you queer all right queer so let's talk about okay. the book once again, I know I said it before, and I said it even on social media, that I am so proud Thank of you. you. I'm so happy Thank for you, you um, for publishing your first book. I'm saying first because I know there's going to be yes. more to come. Um, but once again, tell us the title of your book and what your book the is The title about. of my book is called Levels. It's a compilation of poems. I've had these poems in my possession for years, and it's just something that I've done right. I write to express my feelings. I write to get relief um it's a form of therapy for me so the hardest part wasn't the poems because most of them had already been written the hardest part for me was getting over the fear of exposing myself to the world and finally letting them see the real me because we can see someone and have an idea of who we think they are but you never know what that person has been through and I feel like that's been my story everyone's thought I'm the cute sweet little girl with the soft voice and nothing really has you know happened to her in her life and I'm just like if only you knew and I used to ask God like you know I know I'm not going through all of this for nothing I feel like you know you give the toughest battles to your chosen to your chosen ones and I just was like I just you know I felt like this is for a reason. I can't be silent. I have to share because there's purpose in the pain that I've gone through in my life and how God has just shown up in my life and healed me and just revealed to me that no matter what I've gone through, he wants the best for me. So I just, one day I put it in my mind, okay, I've got some extra time. I need to do something productive. So I was like, wouldn't it be good if I put all my poems together to tell my story. And that's what I did. So I put all my, the only poem that is new is probably the last poem in the book. Um, I wrote that probably three weeks before um, I published the book, but everything else has been since my early twenties on to late twenties. So I just decided to, you know, share my story in hopes that little girls and boys, teenagers, you know, would see that they're not alone, that we all go through things. And I titled it Levels because I got so tired of hearing people say, oh, you're this age, so are you doing this? And where are you? Like, just because you are a certain age, 
you're expected to be at a certain place in life and that's not how the world works and I wanted people to know mm. that you don't have to have this accomplished at this age we go through life in levels and no matter what level someone is on it doesn't diminish their potential and it's not going to stop them from being who they're supposed to be so I wanted to put emphasis on levels because I feel like that's how most of us you know advance in life and how we move in life Wow, that is so profound. And so, because I was going to ask you, like, where did you Mm -hmm. get the title for for your book? And I think that's an awesome point is that, you know, we we put so many expectations, especially when it comes to age. Right. So and especially for women. So for a woman, if you you're supposed to be married by a certain time and you're supposed to have children by a certain time and you're supposed, you know, you're supposed to have a degree by a certain time. It's like, listen, everyone's everyone's journey is different right and so this is not a sprint Mm -hmm. it's not a race everyone's going to reach where they need to be in their own time and I think that you know it's the pressure that comes from trying to live in other people's expectations of what we're expected to do or accomplish within a certain time frame or else we're ridiculed or we're talked about and we have to get away from that because like you said everyone's time frame is different everyone's level is different and age has nothing to do with it and so um some of my hardest lessons I've had to learn from just wanting something so bad and thinking I'm supposed to have that this age that I'm just going to go ahead and do it without you know it being something that I'm supposed to be experiencing at that time and for me that's another reason why I wanted to call it levels because I thought I was supposed to be married at this time and so I you know I chose to jump into something that maybe I wasn't supposed to because I was just oh that that number I'm getting up here in age and I'm you know so that really had a huge effect on on me and how you know I chose to do some things because patience tab oh my goodness it's been one of the hardest things for me even as a little girl like I wanted this and I wanted it and if I didn't have it I would just (laughs) and I, I saw myself getting older wanting things on my own time and then I had to learn it's not your time it's God's time and if you keep trying to push it and make it your time you're going to keep having to learn those hard lessons and every single time it might be a little harder than it was the time before because you haven't gotten it yet and that has been so true in my life so I have been working on my patience he's working with me he's not done yet he's never gonna I don't want him to ever be done with me because is something that I've struggled with but I've learned that it's key and in patience I've learned myself I've learned to love myself self-love self-worth I've got all those things that have always been in me but I just had to be still sit with myself listen to God and to know who I truly belong to and so that's all a part of my testimony when it comes to writing and getting this book out And when you talked mm-hmm. about patience, man, because again, going back to what you said, with yeah. the levels, right? So when you talk about levels and the expectation and the time frame, we feel like there's this biological mm-hmm. clock that's ticking, that's going against us. And then our patience, because I can tell you, I, I swear, I feel like you are like uh, my, <laughs> my spirit twin or something like that, because 
I suffer, I'm not going to say I suffer, but patience mm-hmm. is a challenge for me as well. It always has been. I want yeah. what I want when I want right. it, and that's it. And so I'm learning, to your point, that when we rush things or when we try to take, you know, take it out of God's hands because we feel like God is moving too slow for us, that is when we set ourselves up for heartbreak, for disappointment, for failure, right. all of those things, because we're rushing. And I believe that God is a gentleman. I believe that God is not going to force himself or his right. will on any of us. And so he's going to be like, okay, you feel like you got it. You got it. It's kind of mm-hmm. like your parent, right? When you want your, when you are expecting something from your parent and you want them to do something for you and they're not moving fast enough and they like, all right, you want right. to go ahead and, mm-hmm. and try it yourself. Right. <laughs> I'm going to let you go ahead right. and fail <laughs> or whatever the case is. You know, I'm going to sit back and let you have it since you think you know it all, since mm-hmm. you think you got all the answers, since you think you got this. And I think that that's how God is with us sometimes. Sometimes yeah, he, he just sits back yeah. and he's, he's like, the coolest right. guy I've ever known. <laughs> <laughs> Man, so um, you said one of the hardest challenges was not writing the poems, mm-hmm. but being able to feel safe enough or I guess you know able to share that with people and I was really trying to find this quote because I was listening they did a Jill Scott versus Erica Badu battle on verses last weekend and I was listening to it and I love Jill Scott and I was trying to find this quote that she said and I could not find it but one quote that she said was that once you put it on paper it no longer belongs to you and I thought that was like such a a, such a yeah. strong statement that when you put it on paper because I'm a creative mm-hmm. just like you I've been writing poems and I've been writing since I was in like elementary school um, but you know God gave us that gift for a reason and it's for us to share with the world and so once you put it on paper it no longer belongs to you and then she said something else and I'm trying to find the quote and I'm, I'm going to have to paraphrase because I can't find it verbatim but she spoke about you know a lot of times as creatives you know we're so afraid that our work is going to be judged and or you know that it's not going to be well received and you know we might have the next you know Pulitzer Prize or we might have the next Grammy or you know we might have we have what the world needs and so we're we're holding it back because we don't know how it's going to be taken or Mm -hmm. how it's going to be received by the world but we have to put that aside and right. just share it and, and just, you know, and not worry about, you know, because for one thing, there's always going to be haters. There's always yeah. going to be the critics. But apart from that, you know, we have a gift and it's our responsibility as being in the creative community to share that gift yeah. with the world. So I'm glad that you were able to share that. So we talked about levels. We talked about why you called it levels. We talked about some of your challenges with writing the book. Um, you even talked about what inspired you to write the book. So you covered a lot. You're, you're, you're zooming through these questions before <laughs> I could even get to them. <laughs> um, so let me ask you, what's your favorite poem in the, in the book that you My have? favorite poem is the last one, which is called From Roots. When I wrote okay. that, I felt free because it was just like, okay, now we're getting through these challenges, challenges about love. Um, growing up expectations issues with my dad and then it's like my family after they saw that I thrived 
they couldn't do anything but let me go because they they saw that I'm okay like I'm doing something and it's helping other people so they don't really have to worry about me like they want like they once were and so I just started to see a shift in my family um over time as I was getting prepared to release it and it was just like when everyone used to be so frantic, are you okay calling me all the time? Are you asleep? You know you're up there by yourself. Um, you good? And then after a while, it was just like, I'm good. And they start to see it. And not only see it, they started to hear from other people that I didn't even know were watching. Like, she's doing really good. Like, she's, you know. <laughs> yeah, and I they was just like, wow, well, you, you never know who's watching you. And then I feel like that gave my family a little bit more calm because... I was okay. And so, you know, they couldn't do anything else but to let me go, not in a way of, you know, letting me completely away from them because, you know, your family's your family, but they know that I'm doing something that's making me happy. And so they're okay because I'm okay. When they once used to worry about me so much, they used to worry about this big old world and this little girl with these big, you know, big dreams, and I just used to always say, I'm a country girl, but I have a city mind, and y'all don't believe me, y'all don't believe me, but I'm going to show you, and I've shown them, and at the end of the day, I've had to learn that the only affirmation I need is affirming and believing in myself, and God confirming and, and putting in me things that I didn't know that I have, but showing me every day that you've always had this. Don't get distracted. Even family can be distractions, friends, things. But just keep your mind focused on your goals and the things that I have ahead of you, and you'll be okay. And I've been okay. More than okay, actually. <laughs> and I'm, I get it. I get it on both sides. I get it as a mom because I can remember dropping my yeah. daughter off to college when she went to Tuskegee and you know she went against the grain because all of her friends had went to school together I think they all went to like uh mm-hmm. Albany okay. State most of them but most of her friends that did go away to school they kind of grouped yeah. together and so she was like I'm going to Tuskegee by myself with none of my friends yeah. I don't know anyone I'm gonna meet whoever I meet down here and I'm doing a fresh start and Mm-hmm. I was proud of her for that. Um, and she went down there and she established herself and she, you know, she figured out who she was as a person, who she was as a young woman, what her interest mm-hmm. was, what her passions were. And um, of course I worried about her because, you know, she was in another state and she was only an hour and yeah. 45 minutes away. So if something happened, I could right. get to her if I needed to. But I still worry because that's yeah. my baby girl, you know, and I don't care how old she gets. I don't care when she's 30, 40, 50 years old. She's right. still going to be my baby girl. Um, that's the good thing about family is that they do love you and they are concerned about you. But to your point, mm-hmm. they can become that's distractions true. as well yeah. if you're not careful. Um, because even, the you know, mm-hmm. becoming homesick. I remember when I first moved to Atlanta, it seems like eons ago now. But when I first moved here, I used to fly back yeah. to New York all the time. And mind you, I was familiar with Atlanta because I had family here. I would mm-hmm. come here every summer. So I was familiar with Atlanta. But when I finally moved here at 18, 19 years old, I yeah. was so homesick. 
And so every chance I got, I was flying back to New York yeah. every single chance. And that was like so counterproductive for me because I wasn't doing anything up there. I wasn't, you know, making moves or, you know, I wasn't in school like I was supposed to be. Um, and so, you know, going back up there, it was pretty much for me to hang out with my friends, goof off, see my mm-hmm. sister, hang out, you know, because I missed home and I missed my friends. But when we do that, you know, they become distractions and they're taking right. us off track from what it is that we're supposed to be accomplishing at that point. And so, you know, sometimes we have to remove all of those things. You know, sometimes we feel like we're in a point of isolation almost to whereas we feel like we're all by ourselves and we don't have anyone. But sometimes that's God's way of getting our full and complete attention. I almost would like to say that that's what's happening for a lot of us right now within this pandemic during this time of COVID-19 is that God has removed all distractions away from us. He has put us into a place of isolation where we no longer have, and I mean, I I don't do those things anymore, but we don't have the bars. We don't have the clubs. We don't have the social gatherings. We don't have anything. And he's like, okay, do I have your attention now? You know, can, mm-hmm. can, can I have right. a conversation with you right now? You're not going to work. You're working from home. You can't hang out. You can't do anything but sit and be right. still and hear from me. And so for me, that's what, you know, I've taken away from this entire experience. And we'll get into the whole COVID-19 and mental health and all of that stuff. But for me, that's what I've kind of taken from this experience is that God really wanted me to be still and to focus more on my business because I was working, you know, I worked in corporate America, running back and forth Mm -hmm. all the time doing that, coming home too exhausted to work on We Win because I'm tired from working at Coca-Cola all day. Um, I'm tired from ripping and running and socializing with my friends and all of these other things that I was doing and my business was being, you know, neglected. And so out of COVID-19 has come the podcast that I have been talking about starting for the last two or three years out of COVID-19 has come the radio show for me. Um, You know, out of COVID-19, I've been able to meditate more and to take more nature walks and to enjoy my family more and to have more family dinners. And so, you know, God had to remove some distractions from me so that I could reprioritize and get things back into perspective. unpacking a lot of stuff here i hope you guys are paying attention because we we we, we, we dropping right. some dimes we dropping some, um, some right. wisdom on you guys this evening yeah. like seriously if you're listening all right so um did we talk about the challenges or obstacles that you faced with getting the book written i know you said that you know and this was you and i's discussion offline that you were a little hesitant or apprehensive about releasing the book because you weren't sure right. how your family was going to take right. of the content yes. of it right um i just that was the biggest challenge for me and i swear like i put it off i kept working and i'm like okay no maybe now's not a good time because you know maybe i should strengthen this relationship with this person first so that I could tell them about this before it comes out because if they read it they can put (laughs) stuff together and they're like wait a second like I was just going in my head like all the time about about that because I've always been 
a people pleaser. I found myself accomplishing things for family and not necessarily doing it because I wanted to do it. And that gets exhausting. So I just decided one day, everybody else is living for them. When is it going to be my turn to do the things that I want to do? And so I had to, you know, get that out of my head and just keep moving forward with it. You know, your family's your family. You don't always like them, but we love them. And, you know, we have to we have to have conversations if they're open to it. But I just wanted it to be known that sometimes our testimony includes other people, but we don't have to necessarily bash those people. We don't have to talk about them in a bad way. We're just sharing our experiences and we hope that they will understand that it's nothing against them. But sometimes, you know, most of the times our stories involve other people. So that was, like I said, the biggest challenge. And then going back, trying to make everything perfect, making sure everything was right. And then I just, you know, I just said to myself, I'm perfectly imperfect. I'm never going to be perfect. So why am I trying to make something that's so real and authentic to me, something that is not, which is perfect. So even when it came to font sizing, this is too big. Let me change it. Let me go back. I just had to stop because I was driving myself crazy and I just had to, I had to be done with it because I probably wouldn't have put it out because I would still be trying to fix things, but I like it just the way it is because it's a representation of me. And that is that I'm perfectly imperfect. And my most authentic work is me being myself and not trying to make it something that it's not. And so that hit me really close towards the end because I was like, this isn't ready. Like, I need to fix the font. And then when you're doing it yourself, when you don't have an editor really and you don't have like a publisher Mm -hmm. behind you. You're just like, what am I doing? Like, did I really just take this task on by myself? But I had little to no help. And I just, I winged it the best (laughs) that I could. I had some really good friends that helped me along the way. But most of it was just me. And so that's how I wanted to leave it. Like, it's not perfect and I'm not. So this is what I give to you. And I hope that you accept it just like you've accepted me. So I just had to be done with it. Because I was just like, oh gosh, you're not. Girl, put, close the laptop stop doing this get off of this website (laughs) you know you're gonna you know I just had to stop so yeah uh man I have like a similar testimony when it came to writing my book so the first book when I did pocketbook of power so I did like you I I published both of my books self-published through Amazon and when I did pocketbook of blessings like even now I look at it and I cringe at just some of the Um, errors that's in the book right but to your point it's perfectly imperfect if I kept procrastinating not even procrastinating but I kept waiting and I kept waiting to be able to make it perfect this perfect book and I didn't have a lot of money to spend on you know hiring someone to edit it for me and to do this and to do that and to be quite honest I feel like my work is more of a conversation um, and I write exactly how I talk and that's probably not a great thing yeah. but when you're reading my book it's you're reading and you'll feel like I'm actually right. sitting in the room talking to you because that's exactly how I've written it and so hopefully mm-hmm. I'll get better along the way and maybe have a professional editor that'll be able to fix the words and fix you know some of the context and yeah. to your point some of the fonts and all of that but when I first did Pocketbook of Blessings I was in such a rush to get it out because I was trying to meet right. this specific deadline that I had. 
um, where I had a speaking engagement and I needed to have a book to speak to. And so I kind of rushed and pushed this out. And initially it was only supposed to be an ebook. It wasn't supposed to be a paperback, but then I had so many requests for the paperback yeah. that I was like, okay, I'll do a paperback. But um, I was like so nervous about, mm-hmm. you know, critics. I was like, people are going to read this and they're going to be like, oh, you know, right. she used improper grammar here, or there's a typo here, or there's an error here, or there's too many spaces here. And I was so worried about how people were going to critique my book that I just was like, mm-hmm. I was kind of talking it down myself, right? Because, right? you know, we'll do that sometimes. Oh, right. I just wrote this little book, and, you know, it's just a little ebook, and, you know, yeah. I, I did it myself. And so, you know, it's not perfect, but because right. we're already trying to set ourselves up so that if someone yeah. says something to us that's hurtful, we're like, well, you know, right. I have my defense mechanism up. And so when I went into the second book, it was kind of a similar thing because I was like, well, that book was my labor of love. I, I thought when I got the first book out that the second book was going to just be done in like six months. I was like, oh, um, I'm doing a devotional and it's going to be a 40 day devotional. And I already have my scriptures and I'm about to just knock this out in no time. I did one book. Right. This book is going to be nothing. It's going to be a piece of cake and blah, blah, blah. And that book ended up taking me an entire year. Like the second book was released the same day, a year yeah. later from my first book. And I did all of the editing myself. Um, I didn't, you know, I didn't burden anyone else to even look at it or whatever. And I just was like, look, this is what it is. And it's not perfect. And it might have some errors in it. But at the end of the day, it's it's my heartfelt message to you all. And it has my prayers and it has my favorite scriptures. And I'm really taking the mask off and being, you know, honest and transparent with the reader. And so I hope that you accept, Mm -hmm. like you said, I hope that you accept the book as you would accept me. And um, that's how we have to be as creatives, because if we wait for to to, you know, create the perfect, perfect, you know, product, whether it's a book or a poem or whatever. Right. Yeah. We'll never release it. It'll it'll be all of these almost perfect pieces of uh, content that we've written that's just in our notebooks and right. the world will never get to hear it or see it. So. So on that note, I, w- I want you to um, when you sent me this poem and I listened to it, I felt that it was like very powerful. Um, I felt that it spoke to women on a whole on yeah. so many issues. Um, and, and so many, there's so many messages and so many jewels in this poem that you sent me. And that's when I was like, I gotta have her on this podcast and she has to recite this poem and we have to talk about it because it is really an amazing piece. And so I would like for you to um, go ahead and recite it and then we'll discuss it. This poem is called, I Built Myself Up. I built myself up to be more than okay with my body, realizing that God made me the way he wanted me to be. And according to him, I'm perfect. I built myself up to be okay with the fact that I'll never have big grace, remembering all of the stupid things we used to say as kids in hopes that sex will make our body parts more pronounced when in reality, someone at home should have been telling us that our voices need to stand out. I built myself up in knowing that it's in my DNA just to be five foot four, never going over 115 pounds. If you take a look at my life and put it on top of me, I probably weigh over 3,000 pounds. Life has given me weight while my body image has stayed the same. 
so don't question my weight. I eat, and damn well might I add, whether it's the bed, the couch, the car, the store, my body wasn't made to please others. So what are all these questions for? I built myself up to be resilient and no longer naive and insecure. The first man I ever loved showed me that no matter how beautiful I was on the outside, it wasn't strong enough to keep him around. That outer beauty was just skin deep. Some dads won't even stick around. I built myself to be built myself up to be forgiving and loving no matter who crosses my path. You see, there are some people who've allowed life to make them bitter. Their hearts cold, their outside reflects their insides, which are just as broken and bruised as the people they've allowed to let in, and in return, learn to accept conditional love, which it somehow always starts out as a prerequisite to being used, discarded, and made to look a fool. I built myself up to not be affected by the things people say, because if I really take a deep look at them, they're projecting their own feelings my way. I built myself up to be happy and grateful every day, because there was a time in my life, I didn't want to be here anyway. Contemplated and attempted, but I still woke up, so I figured, God needs me. He still needs me. And as long as I'm a need for him, I'll never need temporary love and affection to get me by. Hellos are just as frequent nowadays as goodbyes. I love yous are just as easy to come by as a Krispy Kreme hot and ready sign. I built myself up to not take it personally when he's into ass or larger boobs. If those things are so important, then maybe you should see if they could be attached to you. A big ass for me wouldn't align with the weight of my spine. Big boobs would get in the way of projecting my voice because it needs to be heard and well-defined. I built myself up to not take it personally because everyone has a preference. Not everyone is considerate, some always biased and plain old ignorant. Yeah, I know my lingo is country. It probably reminds you of shelling peas, eating greens, and all of the things us Southerners do, which is just as cultural for us as a stigma that all black folks must eat black eyed peas. If you look at my mother, my aunts, my grandmother, maybe you would see big asses and big boobs don't run in my family. But I tell you what does. Wisdom, loyalty, royalty, intelligence, strength, and beauty. Many generations of God having his hands on us to help us get through it. If it knocks you down, get up and keep going until you're elevated. I built myself up to not be talked down to and treated nothing other than as an equal because I've literally and physically had to tear down the statistics, barriers, and stigmas they placed on me. I built myself up to know that you are you and I am me. And sometimes that just has to be enough. And if it's not, then that's okay. That just means you weren't built for me. speaks to so many women with so many issues that we all deal with Mm -hmm. our insecurities about our body our you know issues within relationships um what else oh my god that poem just had so many things Mm -hmm. just our self-esteem that we have to carry um man tell me about why you wrote this poem where did it come from like, what was the inspiration? Just, just give me, give me all of the. Uh, I will. Give me, give me I will. So actually, it was inspired by one of my friends, just because you know I've heard all of my life. 
you're so skinny you need to eat all this stuff and I've just I've gotten so tired of hearing that and at one point in time I was just like wait a minute am I doing something wrong like I look at the women in my family and when they were my age they were the same size as me um before they started having children I guess sometimes when you have kids you know right and so so I spread I just had stuff to get comfortable <laughs> with myself and, you know guys are into what they're into and so are we as women we like what we like and I just got so tired of you need to have a big butt or you don't have enough breasts and I just you know said to myself men sometimes want women to look this picture perfect hourglass you know shape but then it's like that doesn't look good on everybody and even sometimes when you do augmentations it's sometimes it it still doesn't look right on that person just because that's not their body shape like they weren't meant for all of that right it wasn't meant to carry them it wasn't meant to you know to hold (laughs) them it just made them look disproportionate when they were just trying to look like all of the images that we see on tv and i just want girls guys to know that you are beautiful just the way that you are and God made you perfect in his image so you're already perfect to him so just you know try your best to to love yourself because sometimes that can be the hardest thing and I've and I've grown to grown to know that when you love yourself when you walk with your head up high and you know you have a purpose it attracts people not because you you know got an hour oh yeah they're like, wait a second, she has a certain light on her that's not coming from how her body looks. It's because when we love ourselves, other people, they don't have a choice but to gravitate towards us. And I found that to be so true. And once I found that out about myself, no man, woman, dog, or cat can say anything to me that will bother me about how I look because I love the way that I am because it took me a long time to get here. And I promised myself that I would never let what anybody else says affect me in a way that I second guess who I am and how I feel about myself. So uh, it just it just sparked mm-hmm. that out of me. And I just believe like, hey, let me tell you what I think about myself. Let me tell you why I'm the way that I am. Because you don't understand it. But once you listen to what I have to say, you don't have to understand it. But I believe you respect it because it's coming from an honest place. And it, it did. Like, I felt better. Um, I felt like I got good feedback from my friends that I shared it with. And I was just, it, I felt lighter too because it was just like, wait a minute, this is a problem that a lot of people face, mm-hmm. self-image and self-love. And it breaks my heart because I used to be in that place too. But once you find yourself, once you get to know yourself, you'll never settle for anything or anyone else and you won't take anything less than you deserve. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Man. Man, yeah. I don't even want to touch that because, yeah. I mean, you you pretty much said it all. Um, if I had to say anything, it would be that, one, sometimes our friends and family don't realize mm-hmm. that they say things right. to us that yeah. can be hurtful, right? And so it's funny because, you know, if you right. say something, if you tell someone that they're fat, mm-hmm. they take offense to that, right? But in the same, in the same, you know, in the same space or in that same vein, if right. you are telling someone, right. well, you skinny, 
Why are you so skinny? Right. That's not a compliment. You're not saying that from a place of endearment. You're that's just as bad as you, you know, criticizing or saying right. something yeah. to someone who's who's fat. And so first let me say that I wish I was still 115 pounds. <laughs> so if you wanted yeah. to switch bodies with me, I would be more than willing and happy to give you this 140 uh, pound frame over here that I got. But um I'll say this that you know growing up I remember being in high school and right. I was 98 pounds I I could not mm-hmm. tip the 100 pound mark to save my life I was small I didn't have boobs I didn't have hips I didn't have thighs I didn't have a butt I didn't have any of those things and I was okay with it I was completely assured of myself and confident right. with that it did not bother me and you know not even taking you know I'm not going to because you know this is a woman's empowerment podcast so I'm not going to take shots (laughs) you know my sisters but I will just say that you know those girls that were full-bodied in high school not so much right now you know (laughs) so I kind of appreciate you know that I was able to fill out in my later years um than I was but at the end of all of that because you know, right. that's not yeah. important. That's all surface stuff. You know, right. like you said, men are attracted to what they are attracted to and as women are. But, you right. know, at the end of the day, it's about self-love. And when yep. you have self-love, like you said, that supersedes any and all things right. that anyone can say or judge about you. Yep. I love me just the way I am. And if you don't right. love me, then you don't need to be around me. Point blank, exactly. period. Nothing else to be said on that. So... That piece is, I think, great. And I think that, you know, you, you have to publish that because there are so many women right. who are struggling to love themselves. And, you know, I try to tread lightly on the topic yeah. of, you know, augmentation um, and things of yeah. that nature. Because at the end of the day, it's your body. You're entitled to do what you want to do to make whatever makes you happy. You know, I just made the joke to my husband the other day. I was like, I need lipo because I can't get rid of this stomach that I have. And I hate this stomach. And I'm I'm too lazy to work out. And I don't feel like doing it. Um, but I, I yeah. really feel like there's a deeper issue there sometimes. I feel like when you are trying to change everything about who you are, and everything about your body and if you're that unhappy with yourself I think that there's a deeper issue and I think that it goes way beyond right. you know your your outer beauty I think that yeah. has something to do with who you are on the inside and so I think that we need to do more deeper um you know more deeper perspectives on who we are and start to love the person that's in the mirror start to really understand right. and fall mm-hmm. in love with ourselves date ourselves right. you know, I don't know a lot of people who go out by themselves yeah. I'm married and I still date myself I still spend time by myself yeah. I still treat myself I had to fall in love with myself because if you don't love yourself one right. how can you recognize when someone else loves you yeah or what that right. even looks like or what it feels like right because you if you don't love yourself then definitely you're going to fall into whatever toxic relationship you can because you don't really know what the true meaning of a love and then how can you love other people if you don't love yourself but first like if, if you don't love you how can you love someone else and so we really have to get back to loving ourselves so how are you able to um to become to loving yourself to not you know 
allow people's constructs of what they think you should look like and all of that how did you get to that it place? brought me what to that space to that wow that's so deep for me because it started as a kid um because I don't have a you know a relationship with my dad so I feel like since I was a little girl I've always questioned my self-worth because I just was like I'm his first child I'm the oldest um why doesn't he want me like what is it wrong about me that's keeping him away like I took that so like internal like it was my fault um as a kid I carried that with me for a long time and I would get into relationships and accept being treated any kind of way because I just wanted to feel love because I didn't know what love looked like from really a lot of people especially not men not really positive relationships so I was accepting everything and I was just going with it just because I just wanted to feel this love not realizing that God's love is the ultimate type of love and if I knew that as a kid which you know I was just starting off when you're young you know you're just starting off in the church and when you're a little girl you don't really know what's you know you can't really cognitively understand what it really means some of us until you get over older and you experience God for yourself so I just was I just wasn't in a good place and I just would fall apart when people would walk out of my life and I'd just be like what like why am I just falling apart and so I took it upon myself because I come from I don't want to talk about I come from okay I'm just gonna be honest I come from judgmental family like I come from a family of judgmental people and they don't really do it in your face but they still kind of do it so you're like okay so you're you're trying to be judgmental and churchy too which sometimes I don't feel like that goes together but that's another topic mm, oh exactly. my god girl, that's, so, that's a whole nother podcast. right so I just was like I, I want to be in a safe space because yeah. it's something's not right here like I'm missing something like I can't keep repeating these cycles and I and I, I've seen them as a child I've seen them in relationships with the adults in my life and I want more for myself and I, I feel like I deserve more until I understood that I do deserve more. And so I sought out therapy. Um, I was going through something in my life and I was just like, I'm not seeing myself in a place where if you really love yourself, you would be thinking these things. Um, I wasn't really thinking good thoughts about myself. And I was just um, aware enough to know that I needed help. So I sought out a therapist and I started going to therapy. And that's where my journey um reading the bible more getting to understand certain things um about breaking cycles because i didn't really understand what that meant um when i was little but then as i got older and i kept seeing things repeating that i'd seen before somewhere i was just like wait a minute that's not i want something different Mm. so let me take the steps that i can take um because sometimes we need extra help we need a little bit more help so I wanted to go to a safe place where I would be with someone who was unbiased someone who didn't know me didn't know my story and I wanted to you know talk to them so I could really understand what was the root of all of my pain and all of the feelings that I had about not being enough not being good enough and it really helped me in a way that I never thought it would because you know, in the black community, we're not really as open. Now I feel like we are more open at therapy, but back then, like our parents and our grandparents, they weren't, you know, they weren't thinking oh, about yeah. therapy, you know what I'm saying? That wasn't a thing that they that they even 
cared about right. So there's no such thing. Only only right. white only white people. Yeah, and then you know black you people don't do. It's always <laughs> what's, what what goes on in this house stays in this house. So it just was like what? So uh-huh. I just I just knew that I needed to do something different so that I could heal and I could be in a good place for myself because I want so much more than what I've been getting and what I've been um, settling for. And so that was the first step. One of the first steps for me with getting to know myself like you said going on dates with yourself it's okay to be by yourself being alone and lonely are two different things and you are never alone if you really two know different things. always with you and that's the comfort that i have and so i've just been sticking to it and let me tell you something tab when i fell in love with myself i have not looked back you can't tell me anything and if you do tell me anything i try my best not to let it rub me the wrong way. I'm still working progress <laughs> sometimes, you know, I'm still a little little fragile. I get a of little course we all too emotional. We all but are. I'm still growing every day and I'm I'm thankful that every day I strive to be a better person than I was the day before. And I just keep It's, it's I, I have to say that, you know, the things that you're speaking of, you're like, you are light years ahead of the game because some of the stuff that you're talking about now at 27, right. like I didn't right. get until I was 37. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, we're late bloomers, you know, sometimes everyone doesn't get it at the same time. Yeah. I didn't realize that I had issues with self-love. I didn't realize that I had you know, I, I knew that I had abandonment issues. There were some issues that I knew was present. There were some things that I thought that I had handled and that I had dealt with. But yeah. in all honesty, I had only suppressed them. I had pushed them away and pushed them to the back of my mind and thought that if I forgot about them, right. then that they would just kind of magically go away. Um, and so um, I didn't really know at 27 years old, you know, who I was. I think I think I knew who I was in that moment. I knew what my needs were in that moment. I knew what my wants were in that moment, but I was still learning, growing and evolving. Um, the woman that I am today is way different from the woman that I was at 27 years old. Um, you know, I always had a relationship with God. You know, there were times when I wasn't in, you know, one accord with him. There were times when I went astray and did my own thing and was, you know, backsliding or what have you. Um, but I always knew who he was. I always recognized his strength and his power. And I always you know, recognized his presence in my life. And, you know, anytime people ask me anything about, you know, any accolades or accomplishments or how I raised my children or anything, I always have to give glory and honor to God because I'm like, he has been with me every single step of the way. He's never left me. He's never forsaken me. He's always answered my prayers. Even when I asked him for something that he told me, no, right. he was still answering my prayers. Even then he's always protected me. He's always watched over my children and my family. And so yeah. I could not have gotten this far without him. Now, I know that at 26, 27 years old, I had a relationship with him, but nowhere near to the degree that you did. It's funny because at 28 years old, it was prophesied mm-hmm. to me that I was going to be in ministry and I did not, yeah. 
I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> I was like, absolutely not. I am not going to be anyone's minister. Um, at that time, I was in church. I think I was like praise and worship. I was doing praise and worship um, with the youth ministry. And I was heavily involved in the youth ministry at that time. Um, but the last thing I was thinking about was mm-hmm. um, being yeah. a minister. Like, I just was like, nah. And so one of the... Um, prophets in the church she was like um you know I see you in ministry and you're going to be you know speaking she said you're going to be leading women and she was like but you know don't think that you're going to be like in the pulpit or like in a church Mm -hmm. setting she was like because that's not your calling she was like but you're going to inspire women and you're going to be she said it's going to be everything about who you are it's not going to be you know um, it's not going to be you trying to be something different. It's going to be you being you because at yeah. that time I was struggling with an identity crisis almost because I was being told by some of the, right. the saints, like you said, the judgmental folks, oh, you dressing like that? Oh, you wearing that? Oh, you doing, you know, it was that type yeah. of thing. And then I had always looked young for my age. So the young people, you know, kind of gravitated to me. And, um, you know, they had a problem with that. It was, oh, you know, you need right. to change this. So they were trying to change who I was. And she was the one person that was like, God made you the way he intended for you to be. Don't listen to what these people are telling right. you. Be the authentic, genuine person that you are. And I've always been that person. And so sometimes I felt like I was yeah. too churchy for my non-believer friends and then too worldly for my churchy friends like I just didn't feel like I fit in on either side I don't know if you can relate to that but I felt like I was like in a in a in a conflict almost because I was like okay I would get around my friends who didn't believe or you know didn't go to church and you know I felt like they would always want to bring up church and that would pretty much annoy me (laughs) and I would be like you know why are we why are we talking about this but to your point when you have a light and when you have a calling on you you can't ignore that and people see it like whether they want to see it or not whether they want to accept it or not and that's why I feel like I was in a lot of settings where God would always come up in the conversation or you know me being a minister would always come up in the conversation and it was because I didn't bring it up I didn't come in there like hey I'm ministers have everyone you know what I'm saying but it would just always come up um but that's because when you're walking with God and when he's in your life that light cannot be ignored it, it just can't be it, it can't be um man we're we're definitely having some 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 good conversation here so let's see <laughs> we are wow we've been talking for a minute too yeah. I'm, I'm definitely okay with it because we're getting some good stuff this is a really really good interview so you gave me the inspiration behind the piece um I don't know if we really I guess we kind of talked about the the effects that the pressures of you know being petite had on you but you kind of talked about that so we're going to talk about because we kind of been talking about therapy and you you touched a little bit about how therapy helped you and we know that may is mental health awareness and so the hashtag for the month of may is breaking break the stigma hashtag break the stigma and um since 1949 the month of may has been observed as the mental health month in the united states and in many national organizations such as NAMI, mental health america and other affiliates spotlight mental health month to raise awareness about the importance of mental health 
and to stop the stigma associated with mental health. So we know that there's definitely a stigma within the Black community, within our own family, when it comes to mental health. It's something that we're not ever ready to talk about or never, ever ready to address. And the word therapy is almost considered a curse word in certain households. Um, But I know for me, um, I... Mm-hmm. first was introduced to therapy when my mother passed away um when I was 13 my uncle had me go to therapy and um I used to have to walk you know to I remember it was like every Wednesday at four o'clock I would leave school and I would walk to my yeah. therapist's office and I was sitting there and talk with her for like an hour and you know she would just kind of talk to me and pick my brain a little bit and see you know what was on my mind and what my thoughts were and yeah. For me, my therapy was in writing. So anything that I felt, I put in my journal or in a poem or something like that. So I was not really good at verbalizing how I felt about things. Um, But I believe that um, my uncle signing me up for that therapy, for those therapy sessions after my mom died was probably life-saving because at 13 years old, you know, experiencing that type of trauma, my my mom literally died in front of my, in front of me. I was with her. Yeah. Um, almost pretty much when she took her last breath Um, and then just the things that I had seen leading up to her death because she suffered with substance abuse and so there was a lot of things that went on within my household that I was you know um, exposed to and I carried all of those things with me Mm -hmm. Um, and so at 13 that's a lot for to, to carry and to you know just to try to operate as if things are normal in your life mm-hmm. going to school and trying to live a, a regular life and then being separated from my siblings who had moved to Atlanta so it was like lost my mom didn't really have a great relationship with my dad at the time um and then my brother and sister who were really the only family that I really felt close to were then taken to Atlanta and I was still in New York to finish school and so it was a lot to deal with as a child. Um, and I think I just, yeah. to your, like I was saying earlier, kind of suppressed those things and suppressed those thoughts and never really talked about it. And I just found therapy and writing and going to cheerleading and getting involved in school activities. And, and those were the things right. that kind of kept me busy and my friends and socializing. But, you know, that woman every week would talk to me and she would be like, well, how do you feel about this? And how do you feel about that? And I honestly believe that, you know, that was a game changer for me because if I had not gone to therapy, who knows? I probably would have had some type of mental breakdown at some point. Um, So I went to therapy then and then I didn't go to therapy again until maybe a couple of years ago when I felt like my life had kind of started to um, unravel a bit. I think I was going through some separation issues with both of my children being gone. Um, my son had went away to school. My daughter was away at school. So I had empty nest syndrome going on. (laughs) Um, my husband and I were dealing with some issues within our marriage. Um, it was just, you know, and then I was, I guess on the heels of turning 40. Cause yeah, I think I was like 38, 39. And so, um, I had a lot of anxiety. I was trying to find myself. I was trying to figure out what life looked like for me now that my children were grown because, my entire life had really been committed to everything that my children needed, running behind them and doing everything for them. And so once they were grown or, you know, almost grown or didn't need mom anymore, yeah, I was like, okay, now what do I do? <laughs> and, you know, 
they were no longer here to you know kind of be the distraction or the buffer between me and my husband right. so now me and my husband are learning each other um and, and what life looks like without children being here and so I was dealing with a lot of different things and it caused me to have some anxiety issues and some depression issues even and then with the one thing that we don't talk about I know you and I talked about this offline was I was having some women's issues with uterine fibroids and so I was on medication that was causing me depression a lot of times we are you know um prescribed medications that have side effects that include depression and we don't think about that but that plays a part in the mental health issues that we're having that we're not identifying but I knew that I was depressed I was waking up every day and I was crying and I was you know just getting out of bed was like difficult at certain points in my life I would you know cry every single day and you know I didn't I knew I didn't feel like myself and I I knew that something was going on with me and I knew I had to make a decision that I could not keep living like that I had to make a decision to really go and get therapy now you know in the church too a lot of people don't believe in therapy they'll tell you baby go pray go take it take it to Jesus take it to the cross but God gave us therapy God gave us therapists God gave us the psychology and the science of psychology for us to be healed for us to get the deliverance that we need because he understands and knows that sometimes apart from prayer prayer is always a part of the plan but there's also some other components that are needed sometimes to make us whole again and so I shared that um just to kind of you know give you my background and my experience with therapy and then going to the, my therapist, yeah, you know, she wasn't the greatest therapist, I'll say that. But I'll say that she did help me to understand, to unpack some things mm-hmm. and to figure out that meditation worked for me and doing yoga and different things like that to help manage my anxiety because I was dead set on not being prescribed right. medication yeah. for my depression or for my anxiety. I was like, I'm not doing that. Especially once I identified that part of the reason that I was feeling the way I was feeling was because of the medication that I was taking. So then I stopped taking that right. medication altogether. It's like, I'm not taking this anymore. It's making me crazy. <laughs> so, um, you know, it, it did help me. And I believe that therapy can work if you're willing to work it. If you're listening to this podcast and you're having issues and you know that you're just not feeling like that, something's not quite right with you upstairs you need to talk to someone and there's hotlines out there and there's resources you know locally um sometimes depending on your employer they might have resources for you but it's important for you to get the help that you need and do not continue to suffer in silence we have to stop the stigma of mental health awareness so would you like to touch on just some mental health well i felt like for a while i dealt with um depression too and I feel like sometimes I used to always tell people I don't know why but I used to tell people I was born with a broken heart and they would used to they used to look at me and say like what are you talking about so my mom was 15 when she got pregnant with me so she had me three days after her 16th birthday so they say you know when a child is in the womb they can feel everything that the mom is feeling you're a part you're in the you know you're a part of whatever your mom is eating how she's feeling i believe that 
some of us we carry that when we're in utero I really do believe that and so I I, I just used to say I I've been old hearted I've been emotional I've been all over the place since I was a baby because whatever my mom was going through I definitely was feeling that when I was a kid and I just used to just watch her um all the time I didn't understand my mom until I got older and then it was so much clarity that was brought onto me because I used to catch myself doing some of the same things that I had seen my mom do when I was when I was younger. I used to be really depressed about my relationship with with my dad or non-existent relationship. And um, my mother is one of the strongest women that I know, but she didn't really know how to show affection. Why? Because she didn't grow up with affection. So she was only doing what she knew how to do because my grandmother wasn't that way with her. So when she had kids, she wasn't really that way with with us until one day I had a conversation. I said, Mom, I really want you to hug me more and, and kiss me and tell me you love me. And she was like, really? And once I told my mom that, she has been doing that ever since the conversation we had. But I could not fault her for something that she didn't know how to do and um I had to have a conversation with her and once I had the conversation it brought awareness to her that she you know knew that I needed that I needed that kind of touch because one of my love language is physical touch and I needed that as a child and once my mom started doing what I wanted as far as you know those um love languages I thrived I saw myself thrive more because you know, you don't know what you're missing when you don't when you don't get it, but then you don't know how you'll feel when you get it. And I just started to feel so much better about myself and just not taking everything to heart. You know, I just would someone would say something to me, I just fall apart. Like I used to cry in school. Like if I was talking and the teacher would say, Shinquia, stop talking, I just cry. Like and my mom said, you cannot go into middle school being that <laughs> emotional and that sensitive. I was just like, okay. So I kind of built myself up to not be as sensitive, but that's a part of who I am. And I've had to embrace that sensitivity because sometimes it's frowned upon being too sensitive, being too emotional. And that was another thing that I've heard all my life. You're too sensitive, you're too emotional. And I'm just like, this is a part of me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like sometimes wow. we go through things in life and right. they change us. They make us bitter. They change us in not a good way. Right. It it hurts us in not they a good no way. And I've always yes. prided myself and been so proud of myself for still remaining pure at heart and still having a good heart no matter what life has thrown me. I've still remained who I am, still loving, still caring having more discernment than I've ever had before because I just used to love on everybody and just think everybody that love that you love would love you but I've still remained that same person with a good pure genuine heart and and I'm okay with that because I've seen a lot of people and it hurt them in a negative way and they're bitter and they are turned off to people and they don't like people they don't want to be around people but I choose not to be that way because life I have a lot to offer life. I'm not going to say life has a lot to offer me. I have a, lo- a lot to offer in this life. And I don't feel like I can do that being upset and pissed off and angry at people all the time. Because people are going to hurt us. 
that's not where I hope she'd go and I've learned that so I don't put you know hope in people I don't put expectations I used to do that so much all the time because you're this person in my life you're not supposed to do this because you're my mom my dad my sister my friend whatever you're not supposed to hurt me like this but at the end of the day we're all people and we're all going to make mistakes and so touching on those things in therapy as well really opened my eyes I remember my therapist telling me relationships sometimes is like it can be like a death but it's harder than a death because when someone dies you know you can go visit them if they have a you know if they're buried somewhere you can go to their gravesite if they're cremated you know you sometimes have you know their remains but when relationships just dissipate and you don't know what happened it can be harder than a death because you don't have any closure and he told me closure you can be Mm -hmm. upset you can cry you can have those moments of sadness but don't stay there he said give yourself five ten minutes to be in that hurtful place and and stir up those emotions but don't stay in that place give yourself that time and one of the best things he told me was sometimes no response is the response when it comes to wondering why something happened the way that it did and never getting that you know right right that is sometimes that is closure sometimes that's the closure in itself i've just been a student to listening more and you know just never stop growing because I want to be the best version of me so that all of the cycles that I'm breaking never touch my children um because I want the best for myself moving forward so I know I have to address things now so that they won't continue on and um that's something that I've been working on being very intentional and setting goals and having a focus and an aim and just try my best to accomplish those the best way that I can. that um you know to your point if we are going to yeah break these generational curses or these generational cycles that we have it begins with us first being able to identify that and I know that you and I talked about that offline is that you Mm -hmm. know what like I was saying earlier about suppressing things you know until we get to the root cause of what's really hurting us, of what's really bothering us, of what's really causing this grief or this strife or this right. trauma in our life, we have to yeah. get down to the root and we have to pull that thing out yeah. of the root because if not, it's going to choke mm-hmm. all of the other flowers within that garden, right? And so it's it's cancerous. It will spread, it will fester, and it will continue to right. go on from generation to generation to generation. Um, I was a firm believer like you like I I knew what my normal was I knew what my environment was but I also knew that I wanted more for myself than that I came up in a very um, yeah almost toxic environment my mom did the best that she could raising me Um, but she had again an addiction to substance abuse and when you have an addiction addiction is a sickness it is an illness and it sometimes it 
well, I'm not even going to say sometimes, addiction will not allow you to be able to function as you would normally. But I had to understand, so to not be angry with her, why, where did this addiction come from? You didn't just all of a sudden decide, I want to do this drug. Mm -hmm. It came from you trying to mask something, to mask a trauma, to make yourself numb to hurt and pain that you had never ever addressed or dealt with. Right. Um, you just tried to get over it the best way that you knew how. And right. so once I understood this about my mom, like you said, you studied your mom, you watched her, and you were able to see that the reason yeah. why she couldn't give you the love and affection was because right. she didn't have the love and affection. She wasn't shown that. So she didn't know how to give something that she wasn't accustomed to. And so on my end, my mom, you know, she did give me mm-hmm. love and affection. And, but there were other areas that she struggled with because of her because of her struggles with sobriety that she wasn't able right. to always be there and be the mother that I needed her to be. And so once I became a mother, I was, you know, I was dead set that I am not going to repeat these cycles. I am not going to repeat these curses. I'm going to break every one of these curses that's in my family. Like they have no hold on us. The curse stops right here, right now with me. My children will not know the trauma and hurt that I experienced and that I went through with my mother. I won't allow them to feel that. I won't allow them to go through that. Um, It was important for me to break those curses, Mm -hmm. but before I could break them, had to go to therapy I had to identify those things I had to call them out for which they were and I had to make peace with them I had to make peace with my mother I could not walk around and you know resent her or carry anger or you know any of those things for her I had to be able to you know release her and say you know what you did the best that you could with what you had and just like your mom becoming a mother at 15 16 years old I can't imagine you know I became a mom at 19 and I still didn't have it all figured out (laughs) so she did the best that she could with what she knew and so once we have that understanding and as women we have to be able to have that empathy towards one another and we have to be able to look at each other through those lenses and say you know what sister you know I'm here for you and I forgive you and I release you and I think that when we can have those conversations it's then that relationships can be repaired and that restoration can actually begin because we're no longer holding that to them because like you said the expectation piece when we start thinking about those expectations that we place on people I learned a long time ago to stop expecting people to treat me the way I treat them they're not me their life experience has been completely and totally different. Now, it's important for us to set boundaries. It's important for us not to get stepped on or to be disrespected and all of that. We have right. to put those things in place. Otherwise, people will run over us. But the expectations part of it is that right. sometimes we set expectations from people based on who we are. But they're not who we are. So we can't expect them to react or to respond or to treat us the way we think that they should treat us. We can say, we can teach people how to treat us. I believe that. I believe that when you set boundaries and you say, this is what I, this is what's acceptable to me and this is what isn't. And you set those types of boundaries, people will either deal with it or they will walk. And if they walk, then they weren't supposed to be a part of the plan anyway. So we have sat here and talked for hours, but 
one takeaway that I will say that I took from this entire conversation, um, and it's based on pretty much, you know, when I think about you and your choices and myself and my choices and our moms and just women out there all together is that, you know, we make the best decisions that we can based on the information that we have at the time. And so it's what we know in that moment. But once we learn and once we learn more, then we're able to do more. We're able to do better. We're able to make wiser choices and decisions. Um, But we have to just be willing to forgive ourselves for not knowing everything because we don't. And the things that we don't know right now, you know, once we learn it, we just can't revert back to that. We know now, so we'll do better. Yes, so we have is. to allow ourselves that grace because God gives us right. that grace. But we don't give right. ourselves that yeah. grace all the time. Yeah. We're tough on ourselves sometimes and right. God is on us. And God be like, chill out. Like, why are you being so hard on yourself? So um, before we wrap up, because we've been talking for like Yay, well, hours, it didn't feel it didn't feel that long. Today, like so. it yeah. <laughs> I might have to give you Yay, I'll take it. <laughs> I'm gonna have to give you an award for longest podcast. <laughs> um, so I would just if you want to just kind of um give some closing remarks on you know what your message is, share your why. Why are you writing poems? Why do you feel the need to share your story with other women? Share your why and whatever your message My why is for a woman that has been to the podcast today. So that other people who maybe are going through similar experiences know that you aren't alone in anything. I used to feel like I was so alone, like no one else was going through the things that I was going through um, but me until I realized that a lot of people, we we go through the same things, but we're just afraid to talk. We're afraid to open up because we're afraid of that judgment. But if we just open our mouths, it's healing and speaking. And I truly, I truly believe that because I've been healed tremendously from putting out this work, even before I put it out, just knowing that if it doesn't touch a lot of people, that's okay with me because that's not what I, what I want to do it for. I want it to at least if it just touches one person so that they'll know maybe it can save someone because reading saved me um opening up to people saved me when I just would be so scared and timid to talk when I was growing up and when I found my voice I know some people wish they could shut me up but your voice is powerful never stop speaking never stop believing in yourself know that there's no boundary you can do anything you set your mind to and with God all things are possible and I just want to encourage women girls boys everyone who will listen to this podcast you are not alone and we are truly stronger together we just need to reach out we just need to open up and I know that's not an easy thing to do but I promise once you release all these things that you're holding in you will feel so much lighter and you will be better for it and I believe in that I believe in you and I just want everyone to stay encouraged and to know that you are worth it you matter and don't ever give up on yourself you don't need to have anybody's affirmations anyone else's confirmations never stop believing in you because whatever you set your mind to you can do and I believe that Wow. Powerful, powerful, powerful. Listen, let me tell you, don't have me go sign up for a ministry class because I will. (laughs) (laughs) 
you definitely have so I mean you have a great message a message that you know uplifts encourages and inspires and that is what we do here at the winter circle you know thank you Tab um I'm I'm so thankful to have you here today I'm so man thank you like I can't thank Thank you you enough like I'm just this interview has been one of my best so far um and all of the wisdom and insight that you have like I said you know I know I keep harping on 27 and we're talking about levels but I mean to just have this 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 level of wisdom and discernment at this age oh my god thank you you I feel like Yoda Yoda. (laughs) and 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 so, you know, continue to trust God, continue to follow God, continue to let him lead you and let him order your steps. Um, right. You know, you, you're yeah, my mentee, so, you know, we already have things Yay. in the works. And I'm just, I'm just proud. Like, you, 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 give, me, have, you give me credit, yeah. but I'm like, I don't feel Thank like I've you. done anything. This is all God right here. This is just God. Um, but I just love to... Um, I love to see young women who know who they are, who have that self-love, who have that um, that confidence in themselves and who are, right. you know, not afraid to say, I, you know, I am perfectly imperfect. I am flawed and flawless. Right. Like God yep. created me and I know who I am and that's it. And, and you know, because you have that, you, again, you are not easily broken. You are not easily shaken or moved. Like you are strong and rooted in the word of God. And that yeah. is what will keep you and bring you through every trial and tribulation that you face. So um, I have yeah. to have you back because there's still so much right. more that we could talk about. We could sit here and talk for a whole nother hour. I know. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm not clicking on that podcast. That podcast is two hours long. So um, I'll definitely have you back. Um, if you would just please share your social media and how people can get a hold of your book. Um, if you are interested in purchasing how a copy of my book, you? it's a paperback and ebook available on Amazon. You just type in my name, Shinquia Oliver. That's S H I N Q U I E A Oliver O L I V E R. And the title of my book is called Levels. You can find me on social media on IG. I'm Shinquia.Oliver. S H I N Q U I A. Oliver. And on Facebook, you can find me on at Shinquia Oliver. So just reach out. Any messages, encouragement, I'm always open to hearing your words your thoughts and i respond to you any way that i can just check me out thank you <laughs> well thank you so much for your time i love you too. for sharing thank with you. us um i love you i'm proud of you and um great things in store i know that we will have you back here at the winter circle where the conversations are different um, but until next time, take care. <laughs> <laughs>